Alrighty, my friends, we are back with another... I don't have a word. Oh, boy. <laughs> another... I don't either. ...impactful episode Imp- of V8 impactful Radio. episode. I love it. <laughs> I'm your host, Kevin Osti, joined, as always, by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Hubal clark What's going on, Kev? Mike, who is wearing a t-shirt uh, with the brand of his uh, day job, Impact, triggering our adjective for today, because... Exactly. Neither one of us did our homework. No. <laughs> we failed to do our show prep. <laughs> ah. And that was in As soon the... as we started rolling, I said, God, I hope Kevin has the adjective. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, you know, I did it uh, uh, usual suspect style with the barbershop right. quartet in uh, Skokie, Illinois. You know, do you remember the mm-hmm. movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kaiser Sose, oh, yeah. The, uh, the bad guy, reads okay. all the words in the interrogation room and creates a story. Well, just, just did that right, right now. Yeah, nicely done, Kaiser. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I had something there. I lost it. So uh, what uh, typically on this show, we like to start with an automotive trivia question, which really is a, a nice way to hook listeners into listening to the whole thing. Did they, you, they can't help themselves. You, they have to know what happens. Did you prepare that part at least? Yeah, I did do that much soap <laughs> prep. Right I scrambled for it this morning, but I did it. Uh, all right. Okay. You go first, then. All right, here we go. We have a, uh, a, a GTO trivia question today, Kev. Wow, that's interesting. Things. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen. No. Um, a lot of people who are in the GTO community know what the high watermark for production was for GTOs, which was 1966 with about 96,000 units. However, Kevin, mm-hmm. can you tell me what, always the low, that what year was? Yes. Can you tell me what year was the low water mark for production of all the GTOs, including the 04 through 06? I'm going to say 74. Are you? 74, eh? That's what I'm going to say. Not many 74 GTOs out there, which, as you know, was an X platform off the Nova. Nova. Uh, I don't know how many they made. That's okay. That wasn't part of the trivia. I was going to give you. I was going to give you that as a bonus. All right. But, uh, but uh, well, that's my guess. not part of the uh, criteria to be correct or not. So Kevin says seventy four. Yeah, that that early seventies. Yeah. You know, interesting. It, it, it's a dismal period for performance relatively because everything started to yep. skid after nineteen seventy seventy one. But all right, so the you had the Nova in that platform, the GTO. You had the Buick Apollo. You had the Oldsmobile Omega, and. The Nova was always the Nova. The, mm-hmm. the A-body platform became the GTO and the X-body. So I thought that was interesting that the, the yeah. brand jump platforms. The Buick did not go from a, you know, they didn't have anything before the Buick Apollo. So they created the Apollo on that platform, oh. right? So they still had the Grand Sport, but it was on a Regal right. platform at that point. Mm-hmm. And right. and the the uh, the Oldsmobile with their Olds Omega, they you could still get a four four two and a Cutlass because they still had the Cutlass, right? But the GTO, they had the Le Mans, which was right. the A body big platform. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that didn't just become the GTO. They moved it to I, the I X platform. So, yeah, weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, just 
definitely some chess moves going on in GM at that time. But so I will tell you stuff. that the, the Buick version, just the other day, I saw a 74 Buick Grand Sport. And you could still, I think even by 74, you could still get something called a Stage 1, which wasn't anything what it used to be. But right. although those power plants in that time period all got choked down with smog equipment and low compression and, and you know, American automakers were kind of spinning their heads on trying to figure out what was going on with EPA and no lead gasoline and all that stuff. Uh-huh. On the flip side, the chassis got much, much better. So the, the arc of evolution of that A body that started in 64, um, and I think they actually started calling them the G body by 73, but it, the parts yeah, have changed. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, that front suspension is real nice. The rear suspension is, I mean, those cars drive really, really, really well. So today, if you want a nice way to get into a low buck, you know, kind of cool performance car, find yourself a 73 or 74 Tempest or a a Skylark or a Regal or a Cutlass and do, you know, either a, a modern style engine rebuild like you are with roller cam and roller stuff Mm -hmm. and fuel injection, or, you know, dare I say, throw an LS motor in it, but the suspension bolt-on parts are there and you can have a really awesome car that doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. look like a 66 GTO, um, but you can get into them cheap still yeah yeah that's a that's a great point there there are still plenty out there and they look great i love the look of a like 73 74 75 76 le mans that whole swoopy kind of a look that they had it's really they have really pretty lines to them so, yeah, yeah that definitely that, that's, that's, uh, that's a real option triangular quarter window and that kind of pointed rear yep. and and the yep. pontiac especially the interiors were killer bucket seats and consoles mm-hmm. and gauges and everything so yeah. Our friends at uh, Detroit Speed just shared a photograph of, I believe, a Monte Carlo, about a 73 or 4. No, it was a square headlight, so 76 maybe? Swivel, yeah, it's got to be 76. Swivel seats, yeah. you know, yeah. red with the red Landau top, um, uh-huh. but it had their suspension on it, had an LS in it, and I thought, that, that is a hot way to go. That's a cool way to get into yeah. a car. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the, that era Monte Carlo. The the old man had a, a 75 Monte Carlo. Um, it was uh, like a sky blue color. It had the swivel seats and the console and all that. It was it was a fun car to be in. I liked that, too, along with the 71 that he had, too. Yeah. That we talked about in the last episode. Right. Yes, yes. Uh, but those cars, it's funny, now that you think about it, uh, our, our friend Paul's next-door neighbor had a 76 Cutlass, and it was red with the red velour interior, buckets. Oh yeah. T tops and a white Landau half vinyl, and oh, wow. old super stock two wheels on it, and uh, it was it was awesome. I mean, it was just that car turned heads everywhere, and it helped I, that I this guy it. spent every waking moment waxing this thing. I mean, this was <laughs> it his. Does help. This was his deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another friend of mine in high school had a '73. I guess it was a Regal, 73 or 4, I don't remember the first year for the Regal name, Buick 354 barrel car, and it had uh, kind of a titanium silver gray color with a red, I think it was a red vinyl bucket seat interior, and Buick rally wheels on it and everything, and it, it, was, it was nice. I mean, it's time for those cars, I think, to uh, 
start seeing some love. Yeah, yeah, they need to make a resurgence. I agree completely. None of which are 74 GTOs, though, so. No, no, none of which are. None of which are. No, 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 sir. All right, well. All right, well, we beat that to death, so. Yes, how about uh, what, that? What do, you, what do you got for us? Good job. Uh, mine is actually a GTO question, of all things. <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding me, man. I'm not kidding No. You. But it's, mm-hmm. it's much simpler. Okay. Um, how many... 1971 GTO Judge convertibles were painted white. <sighs> <You're a jackass>. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> and as you know, they made 17 of those cars. 17 convertibles, right? Yeah. So uh, all the white ones. Well, knowing you. <laughs> It's either going to be zero, or it's going to be one. Well, I'll give you a hint, because I'm that kind uh-huh. of a guy. Oh, you're a nice guy. Uh, you were in the presence of two of them Oh, at the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals. All right, so it's not zero, it's not one. Yeah, so right. not knowing me, how about that? <laughs> 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 all right, all right. Uh well, obviously, it's a low number, as if you only have 17 to play with. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you see all two of them, or all the production at once, one day, in Rosemont at the McCacken Show, or it's, are there more? Because there's not less. Well, of course, there's not less. Um, did we see all of them? Um, that, oh, you're that, wrecking my brain, man. That's the question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and to, you know to buy, um, buy you a little time, the two that were there at uh, the McCacken show, one is essentially unrestored original, and that's the one that we featured on Muscle Car of the Week. Right. The other right. one is a restored car that has options on it that I never knew existed. Like, I think it has a rear headphone jack. What? Yeah, and the side panel, you can the backseat passenger could plug in a set of headphones. Like a quarter-inch jack or something? Yep, quarter-inch jack and listen to the, the front-mount 8-track. I mean, it was serious. All kinds of goofy stuff that on that car. It is serious. The, the restored car was also <clears throat> the basis for the 118th scale model that you can go buy. So you can go get your own. Uh, you <laughs> all right. Yeah, can't get it the real one. It cost me a million bucks. How about that? No. Okay, uh, well, all right, in, in the interest of time, and uh, to save the agony of our listeners. <laughs> well, when does either of those matter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning over a new leaf, Matt. <laughs> Let's see. I, I'll, I'll just, I'll go with two. There were two white ones. Two. All right. Two. Shoot. I'm going to regret that answer, but two is what i got to stick with. Well, the good thing is that you know with authority that there was at least two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. Two it is. Right on. It's in the books. It's, it's written down. It's noted. Noted. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what else is happening, man? It, it is, uh, it's hot well, in, in the garage. It is hot. But you've had a busy couple of weeks lately. You've been, you did a little traveling. You went to DuCoin. Yeah, right. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Street Machine Nationals uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago in DuCoin. Good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, showed uh, a lot of good pictures from that. It was, uh, looked like a heck of a time. You had some live feeds. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. The, the the Street Machine Nationals, especially the Decoin event, um, started many years ago in the '80s and evolved into just this crazy um, event in the '90s that I had gone to. I think three times in the early '90s. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, burnouts and debauchery and, and <laughs> you know, I think at one point they had 30,000 people there in the town of DeCoin, which normally has, you know, I think maybe 3,000, 2,000. So oh uh, at one point the, we, we estimated there was just as many Illinois State Police cars as there were, you know, cars <laughs> on display because it was, it was insane. And the town sounds like, sounds like the Sturgis of, of show car shows. You know, that's a good way to put it. It wasn't quite as outlaw themed, but it was. Uh-huh. It was like MTV Spring Break versus you know a little bit of Sturgis with tire smoke everywhere. And the other fun thing about it is, it was one of the the top Pro Street shows in the world. And and, oh, and really? Pro, Pro Street is a very limited genre. You don't see those cars everywhere. But what right. they what they bring to the party is that they're all about fun. They're bright colors, they're exaggerated yeah. engines, and they're cartoons on wheels. And yeah. and their owners are a lot of fun too. And that's how it turned into this craziness because these guys are just going wild, you know. And um, and it used to be a lot of fun. Well, today uh, the, the town got and the state kind of put the kibosh on the whole thing, and and it came it went away for a long, long time, and it came back five years ago. And it's funny because today now you walk around and all the people that used to be going uh, ape nuts back in the day, now they're there walking their kids around. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing how that tempers a person. (laughs) Yes, and and they're telling the remember when stories and, you know, what happened over here. And uh, so so there's that element. Um, It's still a big pro street event but interestingly a lot of the cars that appeared there back in the day are still intact and they look exactly the same today so it's a huge time warp kind of feel um which is cool and i i get that you know not everybody's into the pro street thing and and uh like i said that weekend i'm a pro street guy the rest of the year it's not really super my you know my deal but it's a lot of fun to go there for that and um we brought uh we had four vehicles there throughout the weekend. The 64 C10 pickup truck we, we did for a local guy a few years ago. It's satin black with an L92. And uh, he, he basically drives that thing daily in the summertime. So that's cool. Uh, the black 69 Chevelle that you saw at the McCacken show, that was there. The um, uh, silver LT4 Camaro we're finishing up is there. And then uh, the Bronco was there too. So the Bronco, we just did a... 5.0 Coyote swap on, and uh, it came out great. It drives wonderfully. Turn the key. And, Does it? Yeah. I would I would think that would be a handful with that short wheelbase. I, that, I was that thinking Coyote that engine. originally, like you don't need to put power in a Bronco. Um, yeah. But it's so refined. It's so easy to control and really? easy to drive. Oh, it's a, it's a sweetheart, man. And I... Nice. The Bronco deal, those are really catching on. Um, they're very, very popular right now. I think we have, uh, well, we just sent that black one home to its owner, but we have three of them in the shop. <laughs> we got, wow. Yeah, one one was the, 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 the 5.0 project, which we didn't restore the truck. We just repowered it and fixed a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. And then uh, another, I guess we got two more, a small block Ford, just kind of a 
fix a bunch of junk on it. And then I've got another small block one that came in that the guy's looking for a total resto on. Um, but I, I'd like to get him behind the wheel of this black one to say, you, you need this motor. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice. So we'll have a right on. video on that one on the, on the build of the black Bronco. Uh, Good. As well as the LT4 Camaro coming up. So. Dig it. Yeah. Dig it. I think I saw a post from uh, from Trevor regarding that that '69 Chevelle. It's it's uh, it's getting a new power plant. That's a different one. That's a. Uh, oh, that is. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> that one is. Oh, a, I thought it was the same one. Uh, a '68. No, that's a '69 also. It? Yeah, no, it's a '69. '69. Yeah. Uh, and we did a bunch of work on that car. It was built uh, in Oklahoma, and the customer sent it to us, and and we we. It was interesting because it's got a great list of parts in it. It's a 454 uh, GM crate engine and a uh-huh. uh, TKO 600 five-speed, and it had a good clutch and a Hydra boost and, and good brakes and everything, but none of the stuff worked together. So oh, really? even with a hydraulic clutch, it took both feet to step on the pedal because the, um, the ever-important indexing of the transmission and bell housing to the block wasn't done properly. So mm-hmm. the, in, the clutch didn't slide on the input shaft the way it's supposed to, and, and it uh, bound and all that stuff. And, and we found all kinds of weirdness. The, the oil pan had been, like, bent, and, and the, the ceiling rail was tweaked and welded on and ground, and it didn't seal properly. And just a, a lot of, take the, I guess, mm. take the stuff out of the box and screw it to the car and not refine I it. I see. I see. So we went through and uh, uh, fixed all that stuff and sent the car home. And the customer said, you know, this is great, but I think I want a little bit more. So now uh, our friend Graham Jones at Fast Times Motor Works is screwing together a 468 uh, big block Chevy for it with all forged internals and and, uh, a good, uh, I think it's an Eagle rod and forged pistons and uh, full roller cam and everything. And it, it should make, this car has an, an MSD atomic fuel injection system on it. So it has, the drivability is there, but I don't know, Graham's talking about 530 horsepower and about 600 foot pounds. Uh, sounds about right. So yeah, it should be nice. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a, we got a, document that one well uh yeah yeah in fact he's going to start screwing the motor together next week i think and uh uh interesting customer is a very cool guy he um was in the uh uh, professional audio business with uh doing stage stage audio and concerts and stuff so he he personally knows alex lifeson from rush and, oh, is that right? Yeah, and he's seen Rush, I thought he said 76 times, and uh, emails him back and forth and stuff. And, and you know, that, that's always the fun thing for me, too, is to, to learn about these people that we're working on these cars for, because uh, right. they've all got cool yeah. stories, you know. And, and uh, so sure. whenever he calls, uh, you know, it's, it's usually a minute or two on the car, and then we talk for 20 minutes about, <laughs> about other stuff. You know, <laughs> that's part of the experience. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Sounds interesting. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, a bunch of cars came in the shop this past week. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, was out of town. I was in, uh, in Scottsdale helping my mom out. She had so, a knee, knee surgery uh, and right. is doing very well, so that's great. Um, 
but I was getting updates from Kelly and Rod and, and Trevor in the shop and uh, I'm going to walk in and see cars I've never seen before that we have new projects in so that's cool alright that'll be fun yeah a guy it's with like, a, it's a, like Christmas it is like Christmas um, <laughs> another guy I think it's a 70 Chevelle again I've not seen this car in person it's been in his barn for I don't know 25 or 30 years and he's getting married in October and wants to drive it in the wedding Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right. So is it uh, <laughs> clean it up and just make it run? I think that's what the deal is. It's not like we're pulling it off the right. frame or anything and doing a, right. you know, a, a complete job on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that'll well, be hopefully an, it's solid enough to do that. I hope hopefully so. Too. It doesn't have, you know, holes in the floor or the frame rotted or anything like that. That would be right. That would be tragedy. We don't need the new bride falling out the bottom of the car. No, no, no nobody needs that. And you also don't need a, uh, you know, a wedding car overheating in the profession, processional <laughs> and causing additional stress. So, yeah, great way to start the marriage. <laughs> yeah, remember you had to you have your car in it, <laughs> and it puked cooling all over Grandma. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't need that. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. And that happens. Oh, you know, people that have their cars in their oh, yeah. weddings. Uh, I know Kelly and I had our 62 Galaxy in our wedding because uh, that's how we met was because of that car. And sure. thankfully it was sorted out well enough to where it didn't have any issues. But uh, yeah, please start. Please start. <laughs> please, please. Oh, God. If you're going to start, start now. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, man. Mm-hmm. Pressure. Pressure. Oh, yeah. We. Um, I wanted to have like... Um, a Model A or Model T or something um, uh, take us away at our wedding, um, but we ended up. This lady that my wife worked with was friends with a guy that had a like a vintage Cadillac convertible, and mm. that's what we rode off in. Nothing wrong with cool. that. So, yeah, nothing wrong with that. It was all right. I didn't like the color, but you know what are you gonna do? So. It's all about compromise, my man. And it's <laughs> you know, from day one on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's true. That's true. But the caddy's nice. It's uh, big and comfortable and yeah. quiet. Yeah, it was big and roomy. Had a nice white interior. It was cool. Yeah, right now. Uh, another neat one that just, just arrived in the shop is a 68 Camaro that I've known about for probably since the early 2000s. And it belongs to a guy named Tony Rappin who lives in, in uh, Michigan. He's actually a, a GM employee. He does um, surface engineering and designing of cars, of new cars. So, like, when you go out to your uh, uh, Chevrolet dealer and you, you marvel at the way the new cars fit together as opposed to the way the old ones did, that's what this guy does. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's an engineer. And at the same time, he's one of the moderators on ProTouring.com, ah. the Pro Touring Forum. And I've been a member there since 2004, I think. And uh, his project's been on that forum since then and and earlier. Right. It's a silver 68. And uh, you you probably have seen it. Uh, It's got a... The thing about this car is that Tony is a regular guy with three sons and a job and a wife and a house. And he doesn't have, uh, you know... Brinks trucks full of expendable income <laughs> and palatial 
facilities to build this car. So he's been a regular guy, weekend warrior. When I get a couple of minutes and a couple of bucks, I throw it at the car. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. You know, that's right. I, I think I know this guy very well. Yes, right, <laughs> right. <like. laughs> um, and he, the car from the early 2000s, I guess, when he kind of started building it, and this is all documented, by the way, on Pro Touring. You can go back and read his thread. It's, it goes back 15 years. Um, yeah. But he has uh, the intentions of building, you know, <clears throat> one of the early LS1 conversion Camaros. Is that right? Yes. And today it's it's not running yet, but it's an LS1 oh, at 68. Boy. So it's amazing how fast this time goes by and, you know, trying to make something cutting edge at the moment and life happening to where you just can't pull it together. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, it's amazing to me that he relinquished the car to us because not not to say that he's the ultimate do-it-yourselfer because I think he came to terms with the fact that he kind of needed a hand with this. Um, mm -hmm. But he dragged it up to our shop all the way down from Michigan. He brought his son and his dad with him and, and made a oh, whole right. ordeal. And I feel terrible I wasn't in town to meet him, but Kelly was there and Trevor and, and they went through Good. it all. And so our initial mission is, uh, again, he's on a, a tight budget, so we have to be very careful about uh, choices and help right. him where he needs the help. <laughs> I so, know about choices. <laughs> right. No, we all do. You know, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. So um, that one, I think we're going to be doing the wiring harness, fuel system, cooling system, get that stuff kind of sorted out and get the car actually running. And then uh, yeah. the next phase will be, you know, exhaust and a few things. And and uh, he's got some sheet metal issues underneath, some floor issues uh, that need to be buttoned up. But we'll just see, you know, what what he can handle at this point. But I, I would uh -huh. really like to, uh, you know, turn the key and, and see him and his, his kids and his dad get a chance to hear this thing come to life. Cause he yeah. has been on a long, long journey. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought I've been on a long journey. This guy has yeah. been on quite the quest. Yes. Yes. My and goodness. Tony and I met in person the first time at, uh, at one of the run through the Hills events which was kind of a pro touring sponsored deal at Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And uh, right. it was an autocross thing. And, and he came down to hang out, you know, and be part of the deal because he was, again, a moderator on pro touring. And, uh, and we had a lot of fun that weekend. So that, that planted the seed, you know, that eventually he, oh, nice. he liked Kelly and I and trusted us enough to uh, look after his car for him someday. So, cool. here, so here we are. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. What, what state is the car in currently? I mean, is the engine in it, and is it all together? The engine is in it. It got painted. It's silver. It's got stripes. It's got LS1 badges on the fenders. Uh, uh, it's uh, engines in it. The wiring harness is kind of sitting on top of it. Um, and then there's boxes and boxes of parts. And the fun thing is that every, every one of the parts, it seems like, has a story. Uh, so he's got a narrowed stainless steel, uh, I think it's a Rick's fuel tank with a, uh, it's the thousand plus horsepower capacity fuel pump system and like, okay. uh, you know, <clears throat> dash 10 uh, garden hose wow. size fittings on it. And yeah. you look at this and it's, you know, well, this is kind of a stock LS1, so I'm not sure that's the right tank. Well, it turns out the tank belonged to Larry Callahan, who was, still is the owner of ProTouring.com. And I, oh. I remember this going down a long time ago. Larry was doing his uh, motivator Camaro, 
and uh, it was a twin turbo car and he was changing his fuel system up and he bequeathed his uh, tank to Tony as an act of kindness, oh, nice. which was a very nice thing to do because that's an expensive piece. And uh, so Tony accepted this, you know, with gratitude and really wanted to use it because of that. And, and we're looking at this today saying it is pretty awesome, but at the same time, uh, it's far too much of a fuel system and to, to change the pump out and change all the fittings out is going to be X number of dollars because those fittings add up uh -huh. fast. So maybe they, you they need... They do, don't they? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he just needs to <clears throat> switch it with uh, one of the reproduction tanks that has the pump built into it kind of thing. And um, maybe he could, you know, move that other tank to somebody else who's building a higher power car and, and uh -huh. put the money back in the, into his project. It, but, is it that the volume is just too high on that pump for yes. what he's doing? Or can yeah. you regulate it down? Or Well, you can, but... I. I we, we like to build these things to where everything is kind of acting naturally. You know, I, see. I, I, I don't want a super high pressure, high volume pump having to be choked down with a regulator because you're making that regulator work real hard. You're making yeah, that, I see that, you know, everything is that pump is pushing a, a full head of steam all the time and you can heat fuel up and, you know, stress things that don't need to yeah. be stressed. So let, let's just make everything right. happy and natural for what it is. Uh, effortless is the word I like. You know, if if it can perform effortlessly, good point. Yeah, then things will be happy together. Yeah. So, so we want we want everything kind of matched and to work right and work together. Right, exactly. In harmony. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like. We want a harmonious build. Uh, that's right. Harmonious. Oh, next next episode, people. A harmonious episode of V8 Radio <laughs> <Yeah>. coming. <laughs> or we, we invent a new word called uh, a harmonious, which uh, is when things <laughs> don't go in, uh, in in perfect harmony. It's a uh, a yeah, a harmonious exactly. <laughs> that's right. A, a a cacophony of disarray. <laughs> Um, no, but that should go well. We're uh, we're looking forward to working on that one. So, well, cool, very cool, nice. Yeah, always a lot of projects, which is great, no doubt. Um, so, last time we spoke, uh, uh, you were putting short block stuff together. Did you have any time to touch a GTO? Yeah, unfortunately, I have not had one spare moment to All go right. hang out with Randy and do any of that stuff. So I have I have zero updates. All right, good. Well, then we'll kind of a bummer. save that for the next one. Yeah, for sure. Maybe for there'll sure. be a big one. Oh, that, yeah, that bums me out. But uh, you know, life happens, man. It uh, certainly does. It, it happens all around. So yeah, uh, we uh, I don't remember. Did we? we did, I think we did talk about the uh, the Corvette Club that toured the shop last time yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so we also have a uh, a 63 Corvette I think coming in that's getting a full full resto Ooh. split window uh, it's a it's a roadster oh really yeah if I'm not mistaken and uh, it's pretty cool because it's been in the family since like I, I don't know about day one but pretty close I think it was day one um, wow. and cow. yeah and those are a different animal altogether. Uh, they're packaged differently. They and this one doesn't have to be like the chalk mark and overspray and and you know mm -hmm. it's just going to be a very nice car. But uh, uh, it's kind of funny. We've we've done work on tons and tons and tons of Corvettes, but when you you kind of get in the mindset of how we discuss these projects with customers about what's going to happen to the car and 
kind of yeah. mentalizing the departments that they need to go through. And you can take almost the whole metal shop out of the equation on a Corvette because the body's not steel, yeah. you know? So everybody says Corvettes are super expensive to restore. And yeah, they can be, but in some ways, if you're not welding quarters on, you know, sure, you got to know fiberglass techniques to repair them. But if right. it's pretty straight, you know, that actually is... Yeah, that was that was my question. I had. What do you deal? How do you deal with like panel warpage and gaps and things like that on, on a fiberglass car? Uh, well, it, it, it's a little tricky because yeah. fiberglass to me is alive. It seems to be moving all the time. And yeah. if you take a fiberglass hood off a car, <clears throat> Corvette or not, and set it on a fender stand or a work surface and body work it and everything and block it flat, for example, you could put it back on the car and it could have a whole warp through the whole thing just from the tension of the springs and the latch and all that stuff. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, where steel doesn't, steel does that also, but not to the same extent. So you really have to have the car together um, while you're finishing the fit. Uh, I see. But fiberglass is interesting because you can add to it uh, you know, with resin and fiberglass, it's all you're doing is adding more yeah. of that stuff, um, which is good, and and you can, you know, change the shape of it that way. So you really you, you really sculpt those cars, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's yeah, that's 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 a true. I mean, bodywork in general is an art form, but it is. But uh, fiberglass has got it just it's a whole different realm to me. I mean, that's that's just craziness. Yeah, and the bummer is when somebody puts together a fiberglass car and it it looks perfect, and they go drive it for a couple of years, and just the action of using the car and being outside mm -hmm. in the sun and time and everything, and and you look at it again and things changed, and you go, oh man, yeah. the door. You get like cracks and stuff yeah maybe not even cracks just you know the uh, something shifted a little bit the bushings wore in a little bit on the frame so now there's a little bit of stress over here and you know oh, now all of a sudden it's got, got a little swale in the panel or something and and that's why corvettes are so hard to have a perfect one because again that fiberglass is always moving but if you step back and look at the bigger bigger picture you know they're not really supposed to be a perfect show car they're supposed to be a function car first Mm -hmm. And that's just a function of what that material does, you know. Uh, it, it, you get what you get. Now, today's glass is far different. You know, you look at the new Corvettes, the, the structure yeah, is different, and they've got, they figured it out, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah. 60s and 70s and 80s cars are, yeah. even the 90s cars are kind of all over the place. Yeah. Well, at, at McCacken, I've seen that, you know, you know that, that white 53 that's been at McCacken a few times. If I noticed that, I think it was 53 or 54, um, at the the one one door, I think it was a passenger door, at the top, the door fit nice, and as you went down at the bottom, there was about an inch and a half gap between the yeah. door and the and the quarter panel. Yeah. Unbelievable how much warpage that was on that. Yes, yeah. And, they, and again, those cars, you know, that, that the short version of that story is that these things, Corvettes were supposed to be steel. Uh, the, the, really? the show car for the public display was done in fiberglass because fiberglass was this new mystical material and they wanted to get attention uh -huh. out of it. And then the uh -huh. public just assumed that it was going to be glass. So Chevrolet had to figure out how to make mass-produced uh -huh. fiberglass. Nobody had done it before. And they, they actually looked uh, at the marine industry and they looked at, you know, there really was no aerospace yet. I mean, kind of. Right. 
So, um, yeah. so then they, they developed these processes to make these cars, and especially the 53, 4, 5 cars. Uh, yeah, that was each one's a little bit different because they were kind of learning on the fly and, and mm-hmm. uh, tons and tons of man hours hand laying all the bodies and everything. I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> and if you're going to restore one of those, you got to have that gap back in it is the crazy part. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I couldn't live like that. No, no. It's a special breed. Uh, yeah. But they're, they're definitely interesting, uh, along with all of the mechanical issues that went along with them. But, uh, mm-hmm. Which I saw online the other day, somebody in, uh, and you might be in this group, the Car Museum group on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, did you see where the guy posted the new twin turbo caddy motor? I did not. So I missed that. The next evolution that. of the GM V8 is a direct injection, kind of like the current LTs, but mm-hmm. I think it's a 4.2 liter V8 um, <clears throat> that Cadillac has reversed the airflow geometry along the lines of a Duramax diesel, okay? So, so the intake ports are on the outside and the exhaust oh. goes up the top and the exhaust goes right into a pair of turbos that is mounted in the V-Valley. No kidding. And then the exhaust goes out the back and that's how the, the diesels are. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I did not know that. And it's a uh, direct injection. Um, Small displacement, high horsepower, packaged, you know, so turbos aren't off to the side, you know, taking up space. Yeah. And it, it was interesting to me because it's, uh, that design has been around for a while in other applications, but this is the first GM gas V8 to do it, and it's got a big Cadillac badge on the top, but the rumor is that's the new mid-engine Corvette engine also. Oh, and boy. I bet that'll scream. Oh, yes. Uh, and that, that's kind of the, uh, the need to package that that small is to you know, possibly fit in that car. And it's, you know, it's not been released uh-huh. yet. But as our friend Tony with the 68 Camaro mentioned, um, we were ta- Trevor was talking to him about what he does at GM. And he said, well, I can't really say much, but I'm working on GM's worst kept secret right now. So he, he might actually <laughs> be involved nice. with that new mid-engine Corvette a little bit, which is oh, uh, even, yeah. even we cooler. We need the dish on that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll try to get that out of him. <laughs> he ain't going to end his career over us. <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to take him out for some beers at the at the Stubborn. That's and, right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Work him over a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Um, but I, I found it interesting that in that group, so they post a picture of this car, or this uh, engine anyway, and it's nothing but negative comments. And ridiculous negative comments, because the one guy's like, oh, it's direct injection, so it's gonna have a giant buildup of uh, carbon on the valves and it's gonna blow soot everywhere. Well, there is some truth to that because the direct injection shoots the fuel in past the intake valve. so. One of the benefits of a regular injector is the air-fuel mixture comes into the cylinder head wet and helps to mm-hmm. cool and clean, clean. Uh, intake valves. The intake, yeah. A lot of current LT cars, um, especially ones that aren't driven hard, you know, or operating temperature all the time or long distances, are building up carbon on these valves. Hmm. And and there's some service procedures to fix them and some additives and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think the one of the best ways to combat it is a secondary injector where they either shoot um, gasoline or even a methanol or some kind of stuff in there to keep them clean. Uh-huh. But that was the first comment is, 
oh, you know, those those direct injection engines are junk. Well, really? You know, junk's kind yeah. of a strong word for yeah. for that. The next one is, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't... You know, you read social media and you can't believe what the heck you're reading half the time. But this some guy's right. going, oh, I bet it's got a timing chain, you know, and uh, that's going to stretch. And it's going to be junk. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, what? You know? Uh, and, then, and then there's all these people, at, well, true, that, you know, a timing chain does stretch. And then there's an argument over that. Well, it's not the chain that stretches, it's the individual links that stretch. You know, it's like, all right. And at that point, What's the difference? you just shut uh, the phone off and throw it against the wall. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> love it. Yeah, but it was interesting to me that it wasn't a whole bunch of people singing the praises saying, that's a great design or a great idea. It was all this, oh, well, you know, imagine doing an intake manifold gasket on that thing because it's got all that stuff on top and blah, blah, blah. Uh And I really have to bring it down to, those are people who are probably never ever gonna own one of these things. So they just gotta do something. Right. They got to poo-poo the whole the whole shebang. Right. It, it's the same as my theory about people that are always spreading bad news around. You know, everybody mm. knows somebody like this who does nothing but spread rumors and bad news and skies falling. Those same people generally don't do anything with their own life. They don't bring anything to the table. Mm. They don't say, "Hey, check out this cure for cancer I just came up with and have a good topic." <laughs> All they can say is, "Did you hear about the train wreck?" And that's the only way they can command attention. So right. I think this Makes whole sense. thread was those people. Aha, uh-huh. I got gotcha. you. And I was hey, getting getting back to carbon buildup on the intake. If there's no air, or f- no fuel coming into that intake track, how does carbon build up on that intake valve? Just on, a, I build guess, up on, on the inside or on the outside. I, I think it's just combustion byproduct, you know, exhaust. Oh, uh, well, like from a little bit of overlap or something. Yep. Yep. Oh, I got gotcha. it's it's definitely okay. overlap. That makes sense. Uh, when when both valves are open at the same time, you know. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's how that all that happens. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, right. and, and uh, some of these people, and it, it's funny to me, uh, we recently had our episode of Muscle Car of the Week with the Bugatti Veyron versus the, uh, the Dodge Demon. The Demon. Mm-hmm. And for the for the very first time, I actually had to disable the comments on one of our videos. Oh no! Yes, yes, yes. And I, I have to say that typically our our muscle car of the week viewing audience and and VATV viewing audience are by and large very very nice and gracious people uh, who yeah. who understand why they're watching this stuff. They they dig the escape for a few minutes to check out a car mm-hmm. and. And uh, yes, I screw stuff up and get things wrong, and you know, usually I'm I'm good for it. You know, something somebody points something yeah. out, sure I'll acknowledge and whatever. The technology, unfortunately, doesn't allow me to go back and correct that video right away. But you know, we'll right. we'll acknowledge later on. The the yeah. Veyron piece, uh, the guys of the Brothers Collection came up with that idea, and they said, let's do something, you know, that'll that'll really shake people up and do something different, and and uh, <laughs> sure. So, if you haven't, and for those who haven't seen it, we say all through this that this is not a legitimate comparison between these two cars because we shoot this show in a parking lot and we don't have a track and you know pro drivers mm-hmm. and the whole thing, right. and and the guys that handle these cars pointed out that there was a fire lane in front of the building, so. 
why not just for fun grab uh, an exotic out of the collection, the Veyron and, and this Dodge Demon, and just launch them and see what they do. You know, so that that's exactly how we present this. We don't claim to be mm-hmm. road right. and track or Motor Trend or you know any authority <laughs> on these cars. And in typical style, the episode is primarily about the Demon. So we did a feature about the Demon. You know what it is, what it was, and I also like to rely on published data as far as uh, acceleration times and manufacturer claims and stuff like that because again I can't test right. this car um, and sometimes that stuff is a little bit stretched as well uh, and it's always fodder so, for uh, uh, commentary so I think our, our typical viewers got it and thought it was pretty cool they got to see a car yeah. that they don't get to see every day both of them you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it was kind of you know us versus them muscle versus exotic you know well, the story got shared by some other like exotic car websites where oh boy. people don't know what a demon is. They, they don't, they've never seen our show. They don't understand the relationship that we have with our viewers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as being oh, cordial and, and respectful. Yeah, right. And I got barbecued, man. These people lit me up like crazy. And, oh, yeah, it was really unbelievable. And the reason why I shut the comments off, I mean, I can handle the criticism. I'm not worried about that, and I'll tell you why they were doing it. Uh, What I don't like doing is having, and you've seen this before, where somebody makes a comment, and then there's an answer right after, but then the next guy makes the same comment, and then you got to repeat the answer. And the next guy, because nobody's reading all the comments. They're just firing from the hip, and you've got a hundred of the same thing over and over again. So that's that's the reason why I shut it down. But I got accused of wasting everybody's time with this fake comparison and how dare you make me sit through all this garbage and didn't do an actual test, which I'll give them. But at the same time, we said in the beginning that that's not what it was. Right. Uh, And then that we were doing nothing but spreading propaganda for Dodge because uh, uh, the Dodge paperwork says that a demon did a 960-something quarter mile. And they're like, none of them have ever done that. And, you know, that's crazy. So, you know, what are you paid by Dodge and all the rest of it? Uh, to which I said, uh, I wish I was being paid by Dodge. Yeah, <laughs> boy, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and then uh, you know this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, and you're an idiot, and you know and all the rest of it. So, which you know I get that all the time anyway, so I'm not too worried about that. But uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty intense, and so it's it's one of those examples where you know the the view count is pretty cool. You know we like the fact that it got out there, but wow, was that an unexpected. Oh, nice. uh, <laughs> Unexpected that's a, response. That's a real shame. I mean, some people are just too uptight. My goodness. I mean. Well, yeah. Uh, and I try not to get upset about it because I know this is the, the world we live in, but it always brings me back yeah. to Teddy Roosevelt's quote about uh, critics. And the critic is the person who doesn't do anything but, but criticize, you know? Uh. So. I'm not going to get into a you know a pissing match with with people that watch the show that aren't happy with it. If you're not happy with it, you know I'm sorry. Maybe you want to watch something else. Go make yourself happy. Don't don't. All right. Yeah. Life's too short. Um, uh-huh. But at, at some point you want to say, well, look, we we these guys obtain those cars. They let us use those cars. We put a crew together to shoot this video. We wrote all this notes and research and did the travel and did the shoot and edit the whole thing and put it all together and shared it with you at no cost to you. 
And now you're telling me what I need to do differently. And that not only that in a constructive manner, but you're being, you're just being a jerk about it and insulting (laughs) me on top of it. So you really think about the society we live in where rather than saying something encouraging, like, Hey, I watched this. I learned a few things about both cars. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I paid attention enough to see that this was not a legitimate comparison. I think if an opportunity arises to do a legitimate comparison, you should do one, you know. And that's what our yeah. our typical viewer said, stuff like that. Instead of, uh-huh. you suck, and you're an idiot, and this was garbage, <laughs> and, you know. And then I go, look, and the, the vast majority of those commenters, um, they don't have content on their own channel. They're not... They don't make anything or do anything. I see. They just spread sadness around the internet. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And I thought to myself, it is not even in my realm of consciousness. Say, for example, I meet one of these people in person to ask them what they do for a living. And maybe, again, who knows, you know, maybe a guy is a house painter, maybe whatever. To say to him, that house is the wrong color. You suck and you, you should go suck. die. Yeah. <laughs> go kill yourself, you know. Uh, How dare you paint with Sherwin-Williams and not Bear? You're awful. Right. And it, it's kind of the same thing. And it's like, well, really? Well, if you don't like the color of the house, you know, don't paint your house that color, whatever. But to, right. to really call somebody out over such anger over something that's really it it's got nothing the world did not change one iota because of our our episode <laughs> yeah i thought it was a pretty fun episode personally we had I fun mean, with it i to see a demon or a veyron move out i mean that's great that was that was terrific well you got it at least you know you got to see yeah. it. and again i i think in some cases anytime you can see video of certain cars you know being thrashed yeah. and and whatever it's kind of fun that's why we do it. Yep. Totally. Totally. That's why I watch it. And there you go. So <laughs> it's a big uh, uh, shout out and thank you to our regular viewers that, that understand what we do uh, for being respectful because that, that's what we try to do is be respectful and, and uh, know that we're all just having a good time. And, and this week's episode might not be a car that you like. And if you don't like that car, most people just click off and go do something else. You know, go for it. Uh-huh. Don't sit through to the very end and brew up as much anger as you can. <laughs> it's not good for you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Because I, I haven't got a chance to see it yet, but uh, I'm gonna watch it today. So. Oh, the latest one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't got to see it yet, but. Uh, the uh, the girls are out shopping, so I'll throw it up on the big screen and watch it in all its glory. Nice. So let me ask this a little market research. As a consumer, what uh, what platform do you watch this stuff on? Um, on YouTube. What is your mechanism to watch YouTube on your screen? Oh, uh, typically on my phone, um, but I do have the uh, Amazon Firebox that I'll watch uh, through that. Like after my wife goes to bed, and I can just watch whatever I want to watch. <laughs> you mean she doesn't because like remember, muscle car kids, week? <laughs> marriage is about compromise. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so, that pink Cadillac so, uh, really yeah, strong. So I'll, didn't I'll it? stream it. Yes, yeah, so I'll stream it on my uh, from the Amazon box. Gotcha. Uh, it seems like the Amazon platform has been very, very popular. I, I have three or four Fire Sticks of my own. I know. Um, right on. Just because you can convert any old TV into something modern. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I don't have that data, I don't think, to know what platform everybody's watching stuff on, but I'm just always trying to make it easier, you know, to consume, so. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. It, it is easy. Yeah, so, well, it's good to know. Um, I hate to be one of those people that, that says, you know, we'll have more news soon, but we will have some news soon on some increased television distribution coming this fall as well, so that's pretty cool. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think another one of those Amazon platform networks is picking up our stuff. Oh, nice. So, as you go to YouTube, my goal is to be able to just have it show up as a channel on Amazon. Oh, that'd know, be sweet. It would be sweet. And there, there's technology there. We can hire this, this outfit that will just go ahead and create the channel and then uh -huh. send us a bill. And the bill's too big. So. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So that, that's kind of a self-publishing method, you know. I gotcha. Because as we, as we look at uh, <clears throat> the modern landscape, there's things changing in every direction, you know, and it's really... Uh, changing quickly on how people can watch this stuff so I'm just yeah. trying to stay ahead of it all you know yeah. we're a small uh, operation you do, you know, everybody's got to have multiple you do a good hats. job of it though well mm -hmm. I appreciate that you bet buddy all right man <laughs> well um, I'm curious to know about my 74 GTO estimate all right 74 I'll tell you the production numbers the 74 GTO was produced um, there were there were seven thousand and fifty eight um, units produced. Really, which is a pretty low pretty low number. That's actually a far higher number than I was expecting. However, seventy three. Nineteen seventy three. There were four thousand eight hundred and six. Man, and that is your correct answer. Nineteen seventy three. Wow. So yeah. it, the seventy three car. I wonder why there was an uptick in sales for 74. The car didn't change very much. Well, the platform changed. I mean, it was a whole, the 73 was a, a Le Mans-based I guess car. so. Yeah, 74 there you go. 74 changed to the X-Body. So maybe that had something to do with it. Huh. And maybe 73, they realized we got to do something maybe for a last gasp. Maybe 74, they uh, were able to advertise a GTO that got better gas mileage. Maybe. Oh, you know what? That's a good. That's a good point. Because it was such yeah, because it was a 350, 350 car and probably a lighter um, platform. Yeah, the X platform so. is light, lighter than the A, mm -hmm. and probably was a two barrel. Yeah, well, you can get a four barrel for it, but you, I think you could. I'm not sure if you could get a two barrel on that or not. I know you could in '67, but I don't know. In I'm thinking in the '70s, most of that, most 350 motors are two barrels. It's it was unusual to see a 354 barrel on anything except a truck. Yeah. And maybe a Camaro. Yeah, it had the it had the shaker scoop on it. Yeah, cool. what a goofy mess on that car. I'm not a huge <laughs> right. fan. And people and people still call them Novas. Yeah, they call them Novas. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I I appreciate they try to do something, but it, you know, at some point yeah. it's like, well, let's just try and pick and choose some of the cooler elements of everything we can have mm -hmm. and throw them on a car that it doesn't really go with, right. you know, like the shaker and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a difficult time, I'm sure, for GM. Yeah, but, you know, just shortly thereafter, man, another year and a half, and, <clears throat> and here comes the band of Trans Am and Whammo, you know. Yeah, back in action. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right, well, I lose. So your guess, uh, the question was, how many 71 GTO Judge convertibles were painted white? And the correct answer is three. 
So oh. you were. Oh. <laughs> you said two. Because the two three that you was saw. dancing in my mind too. God dang it. Yeah, yeah. So cameo white, um, Aztec gold. Oh, there was a, there was another another gold color that I'm not super familiar with. I think it's called Kazal, Q U E Z A L, and I got to research that. But I got paperwork showing that there was a second gold. Uh, a rally green one, uh, a couple tropical lime cars. That's a great color, the tropical lime. Uh, Cardinal red, um, Laurentian green, uh, Canyon copper, starlight black, uh, of course, lucerne mm. blue, and Castilian bronze were the colors available. So not all 17 were different colors, um, handfuls of each. Uh, and I think right. the cameo white was the most popular single color Really? Uh, of the 71 GTO Judge Convertibles. Yeah, yeah. So I've been fortunate enough to see um, the the uh, the silver car. Did I say that? No, the Castilian bronze car. I think I saw that one in person. Um, I've seen one of the tropical lime cars. I've seen, of course, two of the uh, the white ones. So... I think I might have seen five of those in person at this point. Cool. That I'm aware of, of the 17. That's a good number. I think they're all known of where they are. Oh, really? Yeah. They're all still around. That's great. I don't know if they're all still around, but I think the stories oh. are known. Oh, I see. Okay. So they're all accounted for. In some fashion, yeah, yeah. Right, some fashion. I got you. And that's, uh, again, that's why you go to the Muscle Car and Corbett Nationals. You know, I could have walked past three of them and not even notice it because there's so much going on <laughs> That's there. That's true. And then later very on, much, you, you very go, well could have. Holy mackerel! Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? Yeah. Right on. When you're walking by 71 Hemi Cuda convertibles, you forget that you're walking by a 71 Judge convertible. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, oh, I drove the yeah, white right. one, the unrestored car, when we shot the Muscle Car of the Week episode on it. Oh, I, you yeah, uh, did. Uh, just in and out of the building. I didn't go tour around with the car, but I'll tell you what. It drove wonderfully. Just is that a 455 car? 455 HO car. Autom- mm. It was an automatic mm-hmm. uh, AC. And it's funny because the judge was supposed to be kind of the stripper version originally. Right. But by the end, mm-hmm. this thing had a, almost every option on it. Wow. You know, air, tilt, cruise. Um, not as well loaded as the white restored car. That I mean, I think that one even has power seats in it. I think that thing's got like, absolutely everything. But, Oh, interesting. All right, my man. Well, I think that uh, we've uh, 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 dragged this out for our listeners quite long enough today. <laughs> our listener. Now there's a couple now. Two, Thank three. Yeah, we got one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So, uh, so thanks for the uh, thanks for the time. This was fun, and uh, maybe next time we'll get an update. You know, we'll 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 be able to hear the GTO running in your garage. Yeah, well, how many episodes we, we, we have to do a few before <laughs> that's going to happen, my man. <laughs> much, like, um, much like Tony. Yeah. Where, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just a ham and egger doing, doing what I can with what I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you. All right. Well, we will see you next time uh, on V8 Radio. You can always listen on uh, Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google Play on the TuneIn Radio app, uh, on Facebook, or directly on our website at v8radio.com. And if you missed it, there's a special episode on V8 Radio of our, our music show, which is not available on any other platform except 
for va8radio.com. Check that one out and leave us some feedback. Let us know what you think about that one. And uh, we'll see you next time on VA Radio.